0: So if you have your Bibles, over the last few weeks we've been like running through some stories pretty fast and you guys have been amazed. It's been like NASCAR Bible stuff, right? We've been going fast. Today we're going to go even faster, alright? So you've got to have your Bibles opened to Exodus, Numbers, you got all that, and Deuteronomy, and then also Joshua. And then you've got to get to the New Testament and Matthew. So mark all that stuff down. Here we go. Joshua, as you know, led the Israelites, led the Hebrew people into the promised land. That was his major calling. He walked into the promised land in Jericho. The walls of Jericho fell. But here's the deal. Je- Joshua didn't just show up on the scene And say, hey, here I am. I'm going to be the leader. It wasn't like he was the strongest guy. It wasn't like he was the smartest guy. There wasn't anything that was necessarily significant about him. Except his past experiences. His past opportunities that he stepped into. Stepped out of his comfort zone in. Prepared him for that moment to be the leader that he needed to be for the nation of Israel. The very first thing that we see about Joshua is in Exodus chapter 17. He's a lieutenant. He's a young guy. And Moses, the, Moses and the people are being attacked by the Amalekites, and so he's called out. And Moses says to Joshua, Joshua, I need a lieutenant to go lead some men. And so some of you might remember the story where Moses had to hold up his arms, and there's the, the battle. This is one of those moments. And so here, Joshua's fighting. It says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. And so he did what he was supposed to do in that moment. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So this was his first step of preparation. Moses said, hey, listen, we're being attacked. I need you to gather some men. So he's already a leader of men, but he had some, a small group of men. He went out and he fought a battle and it prepped him for Jericho. This is the first moment of preparation. Each and every one of us, God has a specific call upon our life. And where you are at today, you are not there by coincidence. Joshua did not just show up to lead the people into the promised land with all, out all of these other opportunities to lead and to step up. God has been calling some of you to do something, but you look at it and you're like, I'm not prepared. If God's called you to do it, step into it, into that moment and go. He's going to go with you. There's others going to be fighting with you. He's prepping you for something. In that moment, Joshua small, young lieutenant, go fight the Amalekites, and he went, and he fought, and he won. In Exodus chapter 32, when Moses got the Ten Commandments, pretty big moment, right? Moses is up there. God shows up. The tablets are there. We find the little hint in the story that Joshua was there with him. How do we find out? Because Joshua was not there right at the top of the mountaintop, but he was down hanging out. Moses said, hey, I've got to finish the journey. You hang out down here. So he was there. Not privy to all the conversation. So he's kind of in between Moses and the people. And as Moses came down, guess what the first words that Joshua had for Moses? Hey, the people down there are getting a little raucous. Something's happening down there. And so Moses and Joshua ran down to find out that they had made this golden calf. An exciting time in Moses' life, wasn't it? Okay, yeah. Y'all are awake? All right, good. So another moment of preparation. He fought a battle. He was there with Moses. Also... In Exodus chapter 33, we see that um, he went to church with Moses. They would, uh, Moses had set a tent up of worship outside of the camp. And so Moses every day would, would walk out. And the people that were following with him, the other Israelites at that moment, as soon as they knew that Moses was going to go to worship, they would stand on the outsides of their tent. And they would stand up and honor him as he was going to go to worship. Kind of a cool experience. That would be kind of fun if I got up and walked around the city tomorrow. Or next Sunday, I began to walk around the city and all of you stood up and you said, Hey, we're going to church with Pastor Chris. And as I walked past, you would kind of come by and there would be some trumpets and everything and be this this worshipful experience. We'd walk in here and trumpets are going and the worship band is going and you are ready to go. You've already had your donuts, you already had your coffee, you're rocking and rolling, right? You've already fed the animals, everything. Here we go. We're ready to go. And that's the kind of the moment Moses is going, and who is with him but Joshua, his right hand man. So Moses is walking in, and Joshua is walking with him. And it shows, tells us in Exodus chapter thirty-three, verse twelve, verse eleven, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And even though Moses had had that moment, that one face to face moment with God, and they'd spoken, Joshua had gotten wrapped up into that moment so intense for him in that moment of worship that he may not even recognize that Moses had left, but he is there in worship with the same God of Moses. That's beautiful to me. It's beautiful to me. One of of my favorite things as as a pastor and as as a youth pastor is to see and to catch people worshiping. I think even Colby mentioned it that those moments just for a moment you just kind of just kind of step back and you you look around and you see people that are just so intent on what God is doing and how God is speaking to them and they're they're engaging him that they are unaware of anyone else around true worship in those moments true joy and so here we see Joshua in that moment that he goes to worship with Moses and Moses the pastor leaves and he's so and thrilled with what was happening that he continues to worship. In Numbers chapter 14, we see that he's one of the 12, and him and Caleb are the young guys, and the two young guys came back and they said, hey, listen, the land is full of honey. The land is, is everything that God's told us it would be. And then there's 10 other guys that come back and say, hey, yeah, there's all that different stuff, but there's giants in the land. It's impossible. God, you've brought us to this place, and it's impossible. And so these two young guys are fighting it out, trying to, trying to convince them, and they don't win. And so for 40 years, they get the privilege of wandering in the wilderness. Do you imagine what that was like for Caleb and Joshua? Like, dude, what, what could we have said? Because for 40 years, they're walking in a circle, figuring out, trying to, waiting for people literally to die off. That's an exciting adventure, right? Forty years of waiting, and here they are walking around, waiting for the promised land, for that moment. He got to experience the wilderness wandering. Some of you are in that place. You're wandering in the wilderness. You're wandering, God when, God, when are you going to bring me to the place? that I believe that you're calling me to? When are you going to bring me to the place of joy? When are you going to bring me to the place of bounty? When are you going to bring me to the place of whatever it is that you think God's going to bring you to and you're in this moment of wilderness, the walking through it time after time, day after day in community? And I imagine Joshua and Caleb every day would have to get up and go, one more day, brother, one more day. Let's keep walking together. That's the beauty of biblical community. We've been talking about that over the last few weeks as well, but of community together when life stinks. That's the biblical term stinks. To have someone to look at next to you and say, Listen, one more day, one more day, we're going to walk together. Then finally, toward the end, whenever Moses' Moses's life was toward the end, God called to Moses and said, Listen, Joshua is the next guy Joshua is the next leader. I want you to commission him And so he commissioned him one as a leader and then god called on him and he said listen I don't want you just to commission him as a leader for the nation of israel, but I want you to commission him. I want to commission him as the next leader of the people so that there would be no question of his authority that it didn't Just come from you, but it came from me as well And so they had a big celebration and moses commissioned him But then also the priests of the people commissioned joshua as well And so here he is at this moment this precipice where he's about to lead the people into the promised land. And all of these moments have prepared him for this time. He's developed trust. Moses trusted him. Aaron trusted him. All the people trusted him for this moment because he's about to lead them into the place where before, 40 years ago, most of the people said, no, there's giants in the land. There's something great that has to be happened." And here he is. He's 40 years of developing his leadership. What is it that God's calling you to do that you're in a hurry to get to, but God needs 40 years of you walking in the wilderness? Because, listen, I'm an impatient guy sometimes. Most of us are, right? And if God were to say to us, Chris, 40 years from now, you're going to get to, no, <laughs> no. Nah. Called compound interest compound interest I'm talking with somebody the other day and they're talking about how their adult child still acting like a child and wondering why they still struggle with life and we were just talking I was like it's about making the right decision and then making another right decision and then making another right decision and I mean, that's basic parenting, is it? We're teaching our children that there's compound interest, not just with money, but with right decisions. Decision after decision after decision. And all of us as adults, as we sit here, we remember back to even that one wrong decision and how it impacts us. It stops the momentum of what God's doing in our life. It stops the momentum of gaining momentum. It just kind of stops us, and we have shame. We have regret. We have remorse. Sometimes we wipe out our... Entitle, entire bank account and we have to rebuild trust we have to start over and one right decision one right decision because listen god's called all of us as followers of jesus to run into a promised land place where there are giants in the land and sometimes those giants of our own making Sometimes they're not, but he's calling us to move into that place that takes one right decision. And sometimes we're in the middle of the wilderness for 40 years and we're wondering, God, when are you going to allow me to do it? And that's why biblical community is so important because you've got to have your Caleb and you look at Caleb and say, listen, Caleb, I want it. I'm done. I can see the promised land. You and I, let's go take it. And I'm sure there were those days. And Joshua and Caleb said, listen, one more day. One more day, God's preparing us for this moment. And the story continues on, as you know. Finally, they get to that place and Joshua. And they get to the precipice and they begin to pray and begin to prepare. And they look out over the promised land. And Joshua says, listen, 40 years ago, four score, almost sounds like Abraham Lincoln, right? Four score, we stood here. And we looked out and we said, this is where God has brought us to. And in the past, we looked at the giants in the land. This time, we're not looking at the giants in the land. Yes, there's obstacles. Yes, there's stuff there. But we're going to be listening and hearing the voice of God, and he's called us to do this, and we're going to go do it. And so here they go. Military strategists to this day study this moment of the Battle of Jericho, how he entered into the land, he snuck up, walked in, and again, a radical story that should not happen he walks around his has his priests walk around one time for six days then on the seventh day the entire nation walks around can you imagine that the entire nation they're walking around the city of jericho and i imagine the city of jericho they've got this they're figuring out something's about to happen wouldn't you The priests are walking around. They're blowing their trumpets. And here they're hearing all this. And they've heard stories of these people wandering around in the wilderness. They've heard stories about this God. And so here they are. They're marching around the city of Jericho. And on the seventh day, Joshua tells them, the one who's to bring salvation says seven times we're going to walk around. And at the very moment that I tell you, we're going to blow our trumpets and chaos is going to happen. And God is miraculously to provide this nation to us. The story is true. they have even found archaeological evidence recently of the city of Jericho and where this would have happened and how it would have happened and the mass chaos that took place. Why would God use an ordinary man like Joshua? Why would God use an ordinary woman, ordinary man, ordinary teenager, ordinary fifth grader, like us because God has commissioned us as his children each and every single one of you have a story each and every single one of you have an experience that someone else needs there's a place for you to tell your story there's an opportunity for you to encounter people and have life-changing exchanges with people I even heard one this morning and this person that told me their story, they're not even young anymore, she would say. Young in spirit. She says, Listen, God's not done with me yet. Fearless in that moment. What is God calling you to do? What's your story? What has He prepped you for in that moment that there's giants in the land? That's what we're afraid of. Someone may say, No. We tell our story, and they may say no to Jesus. Listen, that's not our problem. That's not our issue. Our call is to to run in and to tell the story and to fervently circle them in prayer. Some of you have been thinking about your family, been thinking about your friends, and you know that they need Jesus. You know that they need a transformational experience with God, and you kind of pray at it. You do the thing where you kind of take an arrow and you kind of throw a little prayer request over here and you think about it here and there, but you haven't fervently circled them and said, God, I need you to work a miracle in their life and to circle around them fervently, consistently, and then to bring other people in and to say, listen, it's not just going to be me. It's going to take all of us in the community gathering around, praying about this, because these people, this family member, this father, this child, this whatever, they are so important to me. I need the walls to fall, and I'm going to do whatever I can possibly do to see those walls fall. Listen, I've gotten to know plenty of you over nine months, not enough of you, but plenty of you to know that, listen, I know that some of you are in this place. And what you're seeing is you're seeing some of your family walk in wilderness, and you're living in promised land, and you want to bring them. It's like you're in Disneyland, and you want them to come, but they're stuck at the gate, and you can't get a ticket to them. And you've experienced the fullness of what it is to to know and to understand Jesus and to live in that. And you've got people that you love and you care about that they're out there and they, they want in, they want what you've got, but they don't know what it takes to get there. And what they need for you is to say, listen, here is my story. of What it was like before Jesus, when I encountered Jesus, and now. For many of us, we struggle with fear, we struggle with... What ifs and doubts? And you think to yourself, I'm just an ordinary person. And God's saying yes. The most foolish thing I think that God ever did was give the church to us. Why would he put together a bunch of people that look like us and think like us and act like us and say, The church, my future. Is in your hands. It's because over and over and over again throughout history, ordinary people committed to the call of Jesus, commissioned, understanding their commission, took the steps to say yes. And in face of the giants of the land, went in and fervently circled the challenge. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus leaves this final thing with us. He says, All authority in heaven and earth that have been given to me by my Father. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Every single moment, every single experience, every single decision in your life has a purpose. Even the wrong decisions. Don't waste them. Do not waste the stuff of your life when someone needs it. Do not waste an ounce of what God has allowed you to encounter. Circle your friends. Circle your family. Circle your school drive around LaGrange and begin to pray for fervently, consistently, begin to pray for them and see walls come down. We are ordinary people called to do extraordinary things. Listen, I've loved the last nine months. It's been fun. For the most part. There's some things about pastoring that are, that are not fun and won't tell you all of them, but... Um, But man, it is exciting to see lives transformed. It's exciting to have couples come in my office and to talk for them, talk with them and work through some things and to see breakthroughs begin to happen. It's exciting to see the amount of children and the amount of families that are at VBS and that we've got people lined along the back walls and the and, and all of the volunteers. It's exciting that we said, "Hey, let's let's get outside of the church walls and let's gather together." And a couple hundred people showed up at a farm and stepped in chicken poop, fell in chicken poop, and and kids, people were wiping chicken poop off each other. It was a great time of chicken poop. And you remove those, and you're like, "Hey, I don't know that face." And there's old and new and everything in between, and just to see that. I, to me, this is an exciting time of seeing how God is bringing together all these ordinary people for a special moment to change the landscape, the spiritual landscape of LaGrange and Fayette County and the world. We had nine go to Mary Harn Baylor. I'm telling you, what they shared here is just a, a drop of what they've experienced. I've been to 10 different Super Summers, man, and I've seen lives drastically change because of the craziness and intensity and the lack of sleep, but the Spirit of God moving in people's lives. A lot of the pastors and youth pastors and worship leaders in the state of Texas have come through Super Summer. We're about to send 60-something kids to youth camp. Man, circle those people. Look, that's just, this is just a few of them. They, they're, they're busy doing stuff. Begin to circle them and fervently pray for them. Because listen, they got to go back to school in six weeks. And that is a war zone. None of you want to go back. Imagine, they got to live in that mess. And deal with it day in and day out. And they're just ordinary people. Wanting their tr- classmates, wanting their friends to know Jesus and to quit struggling with addictions, quit struggling with pornography, quit struggling with alcohol, quit struggling with meth, quit struggling with all this stuff, and to live life to its fullest. And it's us as ordinary people just circling around them and, and telling the teacher, hey, listen, I love you, I care about you, what can I do for you? We got 25 people going to Puerto Rico in a, in a few, month, few weeks. It feels like a few months, but it's like almost a year. And listen, ask who those good people are going, pray for them, begin to, to jump in with them because I think 23 out of the 25 have never been on a mission trip. And don't speak Spanish. We're going into a land, listen, and, and listen, and all we're going to be doing is we're going to be proclaiming the name of Jesus. Because that's what we know, even our church, say Jesus saves y'all in Spanish. And we're just going to be telling our story of how Christ has transformed our lives. Every single one of you are important to the cause of Christ. Every single one of you are ordinary people and I hope, if you haven't yet, but you have encountered Christ and he has changed your life. And you have a story to tell and you are commissioned and commanded to tell it. Therefore, go and tell others about how Jesus has changed your life. At ATB, at Walmart, at Reba's, wherever you are at, tell people about Jesus. Because they're wanting, they're looking, they're outside of the promised land. And they can see in you that there's something different. Let's pray together. Father, you are a good God and you're in the midst of using us ordinary, messed up, Confused wherever we feel like we're at state, but Father, as your children, you command us just to to tell our story and say, "Hey, I'm Chris, here's who I was, here's how I encountered Jesus, and here's what he's doing. I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect, but I've got a friend. His name is Caleb or Sally or Susie or Mike or Joe. And in those moments where we feel we are walking in the wilderness, we can hold each other together and say, listen, one more day. One more day. Father, thank you for our Caleb's in our life. If we don't have one, may we put one in front of us. Father, pray for those in this room that they have they're praying for those. They want walls to fall down in their own life. But they want walls to fall down in the lives of their family and friends. Father, that they would understand what it means to to walk consistently, to pray consistently and fervently, with a trust and a faith that if they continue to pray, they continue to focus on this, that God, you were going to make those walls fall down in your time. And you're preparing us for that moment. For Father, that's just the beginning of the story of the nation of Israel. Just the beginning. Father, we know that if we've been walking with Christ, that it's just the beginning in that moment when we enter in to the promised land. Father, may you be brought glory. May your son's name, Jesus, be lifted up. May he be made famous. May his name be the one in lights that we lift up and say, Jesus brings salvation. Jesus brings new life. Jesus brings freedom. Jesus brings, you name it. And you say yes to him. The giants in the land go away. One by one. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.